0: Hello and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. Today we are back with part two of our podcast about the art of possibility. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 70 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Corporate Marketing Manager at Buckland, and today I am once again speaking with our special guest, Pauline Caballero. Pauline is Buckland's Chief Revenue Officer. She's responsible for leading sales and revenue growth strategies and initiatives to achieve the company's short and long-term goals. Pauline began her career at Buckland in 2017 and has extensive experience working with privately held organizations in a variety of industries to establish a strong culture and operating principles that drive results. With over a decade of experience in customs and logistics, she has a dynamic portfolio to support Buckland's growth. In addition to this, Pauline also has created a successful franchise in the health and wellness industry, which continues to flourish. Pauline holds a BA from the University of Toronto, as well as an MBA from York University. Pauline has returned for part two of our conversation, as I mentioned, about a book called The Art of Possibility by Rosamund Stone Zander and Benjamin Zander. On the cover of the book, it is described in the following way. The dynamic product of an extraordinary partnership, The Art of Possibility combines Benjamin Zander's experience as a conductor of the Boston Philharmonic and his talent as a teacher and communicator with Rosamund Stone Zander's genius for creating innovative paradigms for personal and professional fulfillment. The author's harmoniously interwoven perspectives provide a deep sense of the powerful role that the notion of possibility can play in every aspect of life. Through uplifting stories, parables, and personal anecdotes, the Xanders invite us all to become passionate communicators, leaders, and performers whose lives radiate possibility into the world. The reason it is that we're discussing this book in particular is at the beginning of 2019, this book was provided to all of the team members at Buckland, and we went around to the offices to discuss this book and the concepts that are so applicable to everyday life and work. So throughout the year, we've been keeping that conversation and exploration alive with a deeper dive each month on one of the 12 concepts in the book with our teams. There's so many great practical tips and things we can apply, and we wanted to share those gems that we have come across with you, our listeners. So on the last episode of the podcast, we talked about the first six practices that are discussed in the book. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the last half of the book. So without any further ado, here's the remainder of our conversation about the art of possibility. Um, The next practice, number seven, is the way things are. So being present to the way things are, they say, is not the same as accepting things as they are in a resigned way. So being present without resistance, so being present to what's happening, present to your reactions, no matter how intense. So this is one I remember when we were going around talking to the different offices, this was one that as we went through it, some of us got really tripped up on and mm-hmm. really understanding the difference between accepting the way things are and being, or being present to it. Are you able to kind of make that, help make that distinction
1: sure, between yeah. the two? You know, one of the things I'll say is a great example is, um, you have an employee that's always late to meetings. Mm-hmm. And so the conversation that you could be having in your head is, oh, there he is again. You know, Jim is always late to these meetings. That's just the way it is. He's never, ever, ever going to show up on time. And I would encourage you to look at any time that you're finding yourself state an absolute statement like, oh, it's always going to be this way. It's never, ever going to change. That is an example of being resigned. Yeah. Being present to the way things are is oh. Jim is late today.
0: Yeah, that's a good distinction.
1: Very different than Jim is always late. Things yeah. are always going to be this way. He is never going to be on time. And I mean, for those of us with partners, you can look at, oh, there he <laughs> is again. It's Tuesday. Yeah. The garbage still isn't out. That's the way it is. Yeah. Distinct and different than, oh, today you may have overlooked. Yes. Putting the garbage out.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Absolutely. So, just allowing and providing it's like freedom, a distinction. yeah, for people to actually step into something different. Yeah. But if you've already created that, gym is always going to be late, or your partner is never going to get the garbage out on a Tuesday, then you're also creating. That's the future that you're creating. Mm-hmm. So, which really ties into the, um, yeah, you know, into the principles that we were speaking about earlier. Yeah. Where you get stuck in yeah.
0: not creating the future that you want to live into. Absolutely, and I think. think the other thing too is our words are so powerful and our words as we know create our thoughts and create our or our thoughts create our words create our actions so it's really important the way that you're thinking about things Mm -hmm. and I think you know like they say being really just present to what is happening and not thinking about maybe past patterns or um kind of that resigned way of looking at it um and I think too taking the emotion out of it um you know it's not catastrophizing things and just being present to what is actually happening. Um, the other thing they talk about too in this chapter, which I thought was interesting is the downward spiral versus possibility Mm. as well. And they have illustrations and I mean, you can picture a downward spiral kind of looks like a tornado illustration and then possibility they have as kind of the circle with lines around it almost looks like a sun of like all of these different things that are possibility. Um, and it's just, It's a cool visualization in terms of thinking about, you know, a lot of times we were just talking about catastrophizing, you know, you think, oh, well, then this is going to happen then this, and you kind of picture, you know, a situation getting worse versus what are the possible good things that could happen? So did that kind of um, diagramming kind of bring anything out for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, even if I refer back to the example that I shared about uh, Jim always being lame. Even yeah. just the language and mood that you create around that mm-hmm. allows for Jim to participate in a downward spiral. True. Different than Jim was late today. Yeah. Even just the language and the mood of that allows for Jim to step into a new possibility and perhaps attend the next meeting on time. Yeah. And so looking at, I mean, that visual aspect, those pictures really draw a parallel to what, how and how can you relate to things as the way they are factual versus the thing that you make up in your
0: head absolutely yeah that was a good chapter i really liked that one um the next practice or chapter is number eight and that was giving way to passion so the in, in a lot of these chapters they have things where kind of like the steps toward this practice and this is one of those um, and if you are reading this book it's on chapter or on page 114 And they say the first step to doing this is to notice areas of your life or in ways that you're holding back and let go. Release those barriers of self that keep you separate and in control and let the vital energy of passion surge through you, connecting you to all beyond. The second step is to participate wholly. Allow yourself to be a channel to shape the stream of passion into a new expression for the world. So this is one that I think for a lot of people in terms of reading a book like this, um, this concept can sound um, a little bit maybe pie in the sky to people. It doesn't sound as tangible. But I think um, when I read this one, I saw this as really interesting because a lot of people in many ways that they might not even realize are holding back. Um, and in terms of kind of like letting go and participating in things, they can really open themselves up to new opportunities, uh, new experiences. Um, you know, you can even picture it. I picture, uh, you know, a scenario, maybe you're at an event and, um, People are dancing and, you know, you're holding back, you don't want to look silly, you don't want to do these kinds of things, you don't want to risk, you know, looking dumb, maybe, silly, Um, but you give in and you do it and you have a great time and you create... A different experience for yourself than you thought you could have had. That's just one example. In the book they talk about, um, Rosamond talks about the experience of standing near the water and there's ice and it's very loud because all the water is crashing and the ice is smashing and she's standing there and she's trying to get away from it and then she finally just stops and she witnesses it and experiences it and it's very powerful for her and then she's able to to move on after but her resistance was creating what she perceived as a per a problem for her. um so I thought that this one was interesting. What did you think of this chapter
1: i mean i I love this chapter particularly um, really giving way to passion for me is an opportunity for people to live their best self, mm-hmm. live their best life. But what I love about the second step is that it's for me, it's also about committing fully, yeah like really stepping in and owning yeah. what it is that you're going to stand for. Like your example with listening to the ice and the water. Yeah. She finally committed to stand fully. Yeah, And it reminds me of, um, of a quote from Goth, and maybe I'll send this to you so that you can put in the show notes, but I'll read this to you because it's really uh, beautiful. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always in effectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too.
0: Wow. Definitely sums it up. hmm And I think, um, you know, there's so many ways in different areas of our life where we can hold back, where... It can be kind of those self-limiting beliefs about, well, I can't do that. And it's really challenging ourselves to look at it differently and to just, you know, using the expression, lean into something. Right. And really trust. Yeah. Because the rest of this quote goes
1: on to say, like, all sorts of things start to occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. So once you fully trust and fully step into something, or in the case of um, Art of Possibility, fully give way to passion... A whole stream of events, issues from the decision, raising in one's favor, all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance, which no man could dream would come his way. And I love the way they end this quote. Whatever you can do or dream, you can begin it. Boldness has a genius, power, and magic in it, and to begin it now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And really, like, I mean, it really sums up the chapter on and the, the practice of giving way to passion. Consider that we as individuals, as as human beings, as team actually get in the way of allowing passion to sort of flow and and drive the organization forward.
0: Absolutely. And I think too, I think sometimes in the business world, you know, we don't think about passion and, and those types of words, but it truly does drive what we're doing. And, you know, when we are working and doing things that we love, I think that it's even more possible and it's, I think it's possible in anything you do, but Mm -hmm. that's a great one and great quote. We'll definitely link up to that, include that. The next practice is number nine. And I think that this actually leads into it quite well uh, from the last one. And it's lighting a spark. Mm. So in this chapter, they talk about the process of lighting a spark. And when they talk about the spark, they use, uh, something that they call carry the spark. And they say in the middle ages, when lighting a fire from scratch was an arduous process, people often carried about a metal box containing a smoldering cinder, kept alight throughout the day with little bits of kindling. This meant that the man could light a fire with ease wherever he went because he always carried the spark. I didn't know that that was a thing. I had never heard that before. But oh my gosh, is that ever the best analogy um, for carrying the spark? You know, the or like we were just saying, the passion for something. Um, but they talk about, in terms of lighting the spark, they talk about enrollment. Mm-hmm. So this is not about forcing people, tricking them, bargaining, pressuring, anything like that, in order to get other people to do things your way. So this is an interesting concept, um, because they really talk about how to, you know, once you've got that kind of spark within yourself, how to really get that lit for other people too, because it's one thing to get yourself enrolled in an idea and a concept, but it's really getting other people to get rallied around your idea too. And I love that they say, like, this is not about forcing people, this is about getting other people to get the idea that you have, the inspiration, the vision that you have and see that excitement and have it ignited within themselves as well. So I thought that this was a very cool chapter and I think so relevant when you're trying to get an idea to catch on.
1: Absolutely. For anyone out there that's managing teams, lighting a spark, this practice on uh, chapter number nine is pertinent because really what Mm -hmm. it is is about creating an invitation and allowing people to live into that invitation. Yeah. Creating a pathway I mean, um, you know, commonly known speech by Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream, Mm -hmm. was just that. It was creating an invitation and a pathway for people to live into. Mm -hmm. And so that's one way to look at it. And also another way to look at it is from a sales perspective. Where are you trying to force or sell something that really you can shift into an invitation, where you can invite people to participate in a different way with your organization? Yeah. It's definitely
0: worth a great read. That's a really good distinction too, is, you know, especially when we're, you know, working with customers and we're building these partnerships, you know, we never want to be pressuring, forcing people. We want them to see what it is that we have to offer and really letting Buckland shine. And I think that that inspires people to kind of want to enroll in that environment as well. So that's a good point and a good distinction to make as well. And in this chapter. Roz talks about, uh, she's on her bike and she's riding her bike to a museum and along the way discovers she has a flat tire. So she's at the, you know, kind of service station looking to put some air in her tire and on her way to go to the museum, she's taken a $10 bill and popped it into her pocket. But of course the machine, it takes quarters, but she has a $10 bill. So the attendants are there, and they, at that point, have an empty cash register, so they can't make change for the 10. So she's standing there, and all three of them are kind of frustrated, because obviously they're unable to help her in their role as working at the service station. She's unable to put air in her tire, and so they're kind of stuck with this situation. She's got this flat tire. And then, you know, it, it suddenly kind of hits Roz, uh, Rosman, and she simply just asks them, says Do you have two quarters I can have? And, you know, they were each willing to help her. They had, you know, pocket change of their own. And it was just funny because, you know, she had kind of thought about it, you know, and they'd all been just thinking about it in this one way. But then by asking this question, she kind of opened up another possibility and lit this idea of like, oh, we can have a solution. And I mean, this is a much more kind of um, basic example, but it's that idea of enrolling people in a new idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I exactly. thought that that
0: was kind of interesting. I love that. And there's so many ways I think that this applies, but, um, and I think really when you hear that, like lighting a spark and carrying a spark, I mean, it is a really good analogy. And I think most people kind of understand what that means, but I think the real distinction is too, is it's not about getting, forcing people to do things. It's about getting them to really understand your passion for it and feel it for themselves. Um, because, you know, especially if you're motivating teams, you want them to feel that excitement for themselves. You don't want to have to push people along. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a, I think that that's a really useful chapter as well. So um, the next one is being the board. So this is practice ten, being the board. I was very confused by this one when I at first blushed when I started reading this book. Um, but the declaration for this they say is, "I am the framework for everything that happens in my life." Um, they say that. In this whole book, they think that this is one of the most radical, powerful, yet elusive ones, and they say, if I cannot be present without resistance to the way things are and act effectively, if I feel I'm to be, if I've been wronged or if I'm a loser or a victim, I'll tell myself some assumption that I've made is the source of my difficulty. So when I was reading this chapter, I was, I was really having a trouble kind of getting my head around this until I came to the story that they talked about a car accident. And this really illustrated it for me. And, you know, they talked about, you know, you get in this car accident, there's, you know, they they go on to describe quite the scenario. However, instead of saying, you know, thinking, you know, I can't believe this happened to me, feeling like it was personal, um, someone should have done that, shouldn't have done that, you know, really taking a different look at that and saying that, you know what, I made the choice to be in traffic today. It is a statistical probability that an accident will happen. There are other factors happening. And you really remove yourself as the victim and you are just, you are part of the board that is the situation rather than the pawn or the chess piece on the board because this is the being the board that they're talking about, uh, you know, that you're either a victim or the perpetrator. It's just all part of the same, not game, but scenario or framework. Um, I thought that this was really interesting, and, and the car accident idea, and, and you can read more about this in this chapter, because it really does help to explain it. Um, but they talk about like the next step even being asking yourself, how did this get on the board that I am? Um, and now, you know, looking at yourself as removing the victim mentality and just looking at the situation. Do you have any insights for this one? I mean, this definitely is one of my favorite
1: practices, being the board, really looking at it from the chessboard. So I, mm-hmm. I I mean, I like the the accident analogy that they utilize, but in order to participate in life, what if you weren't that illustrious king or that all-important queen, but rather you were the entire board and accountable in mm-hmm all of the moves that happen so whether it's a positive move a win a loss but being the board that's accountable for all of it yeah and uh, for me it's something that I definitely use in my personal life um, I'm not a fan of blame or um, being a victim or even mm-hmm. persecuting an individual rather taking accountability of the the player that I was in that situation and mm-hmm. for me that's that's a really important thing to bring forward to your team because what what could happen, what could be possible within your team when we're acting as though the board is us, distinct yeah. from a very specific player. Yeah. And if you look across like dealing with different uh, departments within your organization, imagine if the entire company operated as though the company was the board, Yeah. different than operating within silos. So yeah. there's definitely a lot of opportunity here in creating the board as a holistic yeah. view.
0: And I think it it really takes, um, it shifts away from the focus on self mm-hmm. and what it has to do with you and it really opens it up to the group and what is best for everyone and, you know, not looking at it in terms of what's happening to you but that you are a part of all of it. Um, but, I th- yeah, I think that this is a great chapter and if you are going to read this book, I... Definitely don't skip this chapter because it is very important. And I think it's true. Like they say, it it is a powerful concept in personal life, in professional, across the board. Um, And I like this quote from the book too. It says, gracing yourself with responsibility for everything that happens in your life leaves your spirit whole and leaves you free to choose again. There is, uh, I think, a great deal in... In letting go of yourself as the victim, it is so freeing Mm -hmm. Um, because when you take yourself out of that role, I think that that really opens you up uh, and gives you some power in your life. So I think that that's a great chapter. So the next one is Practice Eleven, and that is creating frameworks for possibility. So they talk again about the downward spiral a bit more in this chapter. Um, So they are really talking about creating these frameworks. So they have three steps. This is one where they kind of lay it out how to do this one. And they say, so the steps are make a new distinction in the realm of possibility, one that is a powerful substitute for the current framework of meaning that is generating the downward spiral. So number two of these steps is enter the territory, embody the new distinction in such a way that it becomes the framework for life around you. Number three, keep distinguishing what is on track and what is off track of your framework for possibility. So when I read this and when I was talking to my colleagues about it, um, for me, this kind of came down to like, you know, the way they phrase it is great. And then I think really in terms of the like getting it into your life, um, it's really coming up with like, okay, what is your big idea? Like, what is possible? How do you want to be? And then the next step is being that, embodying that, living that out. And then the third step is kind of that constant um, monitoring and maintenance. Thinking about the things you're doing, is that, is that in line with how you have decided you want to be mm-hmm. or is it not? And really checking in with yourself and tweaking your actions to make sure that you are still online with whatever that framework is of what you wanted to be possible for you. So I thought that this was a great one.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the business world, really, we would refer to this as budgets and planning. Absolutely. And then creating that roadmap and then allowing yourself to check in. Where am I within the roadmap? Where am I in terms of my budget and my planning? Absolutely. Am I trending? Am I tracking the way to be? Yeah. But then taking this to the next level for creating the future that you want to live into.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so applicable in terms of so many things, you know, if... We're heading into the new year, and of course, people are going to be making resolutions. They are, and this is very applicable to this, deciding, getting intentional, how do you want to be, going about doing that, and then monitoring, checking in with yourself. So whatever it is, let's say you've decided you are going to embody the identity of someone who no longer gossips, we'll say. Um, Okay, so do it. You are no longer a person that gossips. And then check in with yourself. Monitor what you're saying in those situations that maybe are tempting to gossip in or whatever it is that you have that um, behavior and and really think about that. Because, you know, any of these things that we're talking about, these are possible. And that's the the point of this whole book is deciding who you want to be and how you want to act as an organization, as an individual, any of it. So This leads into kind of, I would say, the culminating chapter or practice of this book, and it is telling the we story. So the practice here is, they say, to tell the we story, the story of the unseen threads that connect us all, the story of possibility. So number two, look and listen for the emerging identity. And three, ask, what do we want to have happen here? What's best for us? All of us. Each of us and all of all of us. What is our next step? Um, What did this one mean for you? Because I know this one, this one seemed a bit in the sky for me when I first read it. Mm. And I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts were on this one. Yeah,
1: it really builds on the practice of um, being the board. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's that, there's a great quote, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And so the opportunity here is who is the we? Who is the we in which you're speaking to? Who is the we in which you want to work together? And then how are you going to be on that team? Who are you going to be for that team? And taking all of the practices from the book and incorporating them to determine what is the creative future that collectively you and your team, you and your family, you and your partner are going to live into. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this practice, this last practice of telling the we story is connecting all of the different practices and then incorporating them into a powerful message as you begin to move forward in your life, at work, at home, at play. Mm-hmm. Um, but really understanding that
0: only alone you can only do so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, too, like this one, they, they really t- do talk about this, that it's moving to that whole focus of we rather than just on yourself. And having um, enthusiasm for that type of cooperation, uh, thinking really about what is going to benefit everyone. Um, and this is, I think, so applicable in a company situation when you're thinking about what is going to be best for the company. And you're thinking about, um, you know, when I, and when I say in terms of the company, I mean in terms of your colleagues, in terms of what is best for the organization, um, and as well, your stakeholders, your customers, your the important parts of what you're doing um, is really looking at what is best for everyone. Um, and kind of what are the next step for that. So I think that I, I think that it's interesting that they kept that one to the end. And you know, even in us going through these today, it's interesting for me to take another look at these because we've been kind of looking at these, Uh, once a month because there are 12 practices it breaks up so beautifully into a year but now to kind of take a look back at these all at once it's really interesting uh, how they do build on each other and so you know I encourage people if if this book sounds interesting to you you're interested in the concepts that you've heard about I will be linking to it in the show notes as well Um, and there's great videos on YouTube if you want to learn more about it Um, but I do encourage people to check it out And thank you so much, Pauline. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about um, this book. Just out of curiosity, how did you originally find out about this book? You know, it's something that I just stumbled upon. The
1: cover is actually really great and fun. Yeah. And picked it up. And in our uh, wellness company, we utilized it as a training tool for all onboarding Mm. of um, any of our instructors because of the practices they in so great in yeah you know, in the in the wellness industry but um, when you really step back and look at how these practices can make a difference in the corporate world mm-hmm. it's quite powerful so yeah and it's even just a great read for anyone um, at home with your family I strongly encourage you to check out the TED talk it's uh, yeah. beautifully done yeah and um, summarizes the, the book in such a powerful way
0: yeah it is and the thing I really like about this is it's a book I had heard about a couple of times, you know, you read it, those lists of people's uh, books that they recommend. And I, I remembered seeing the cover of this book come up a couple times. It's a pretty distinctive bright yellow book. And uh, I don't know if it's a book I would have picked up on my own necessarily. So I was glad to get the chance to read it and to read it with a group. I think that this is a really cool exercise for us as a company to go through together. And it really gives a common language. We all know what we mean if we say to each other, Rule number six uh-huh. now." And I think that that's kind of a cool thing to have something as a company that you're reading together, because and not everybody's a reader, so this was a cool thing to kind of get people into reading. Um, some people listen to it, um, anyway. we were taking it in. I think it was great. there's some wonderful lessons. So thank you for introducing us to it, Pauline.:
1: Thank you, Jenny.
0: That's the Beyond Borders podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our special guest, Pauline Caballero, for joining us and discussing the art of possibility. If you're looking for more resources related to international trade, please check out buckland.com. Click on the learning section across the top of the website. Here, you'll find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and podcasts. Our downloadable learning guides include Incoterms charts, common trade terminology, how to avoid border delays, and many more. We also host live monthly webinars and invite you to sign up online to secure your spot for an informative presentation, followed by a live Q&A session. The best way to keep up to date on all of these resources is through our weekly newsletter. We send out a newsletter every Wednesday containing our latest resources, as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us through our website's Contact Us page, through Twitter, where our handle is at Buckland Tweets, on LinkedIn Company page, where you can just look up Buckland and you'll find us, or on Instagram at Buckland Insta. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade.